Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yo. Uh. Yo. Uh. Aubrey Edwards, Tony Schiavone, we about to party. We about to party, unrestricted, got the house now, we gon' turn it up, up, bring the house down, got that big space pump and make them bounce now, flossing like they bossing and the freaks are coming out now. Welcome to AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling. I'm Will Washington, and I'm never alone here on the show. As a matter of fact, I don't even know why I say that, because this person is here far more often than I am and has done the vast majority of the episodes. Have you even missed one, Aubrey? I don't know. I'm trying to remember. Uh, I don't think so. Tony Schiavone was missing him all the time before you came in. That's slacker. <laughs> yeah, no, apparently uh, we've just been told by our producer that you have not. You've not missed an unrestricted. So you're always here. There we go. You're the guarantee. You're the constant of AEW unrestricted. I am always here. I am always highly caffeinated for <laughs> peeling back the curtain. We frequently record these very early on the West Coast <laughs> because all of our guests are like East Coast based. So yeah. Typically, when we're recording these, I'm very tired, but highly caffeinated, so it's all great. It's all great. And hey, we are just fresh off of an incredible time. Uh, we had kind of the, the longest, I'd say, week and most productive week in AEW history, just thinking about how much went down over the span of like 10 days, right? Because we were literally, we did a dynamite collision in... Duluth, and then we're straight over to the. I know it all feels like a million I, I years ago. I right? forgot about that. I was like, yeah. oh yeah, we did dynamite and collision in the same day. Like, yeah, wild. We did dynamite collision in Duluth and then went straight over to the UK to London for All In and then came back for Dynamite Chicago, and then we had Collision in Chicago and All Out in Chicago. It was just like this crazy, crazy week. All In, All Out. It's the start of a new tradition, though. Because thinking about it, there was all this talk, all this talk online. Tony loves to talk about this, and he he, he mentioned it during the presser and in everything in the lead-up, uh, that there were questions over whether or not this could even be done. Could this be pulled off? Could we do two major shows because introducing all in which was the biggest wrestling show ever put on right we had uh, we had an (laughs) incredibly yeah we had an incredibly large audience and then a week later all out which has been one of the tentpole events of aew still keeping that on labor day weekend there were all these questions over whether or not we could do it and here we are fresh off of it and i feel nothing but positive about everything that was done this week 
How are you feeling? Uh, exhausted, highly caffeinated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's um, that was one of the things that I really appreciated him talking about in the presser because I feel like that was one where everyone's like, oh, you're just going to like move all out next year, right? So they're not close to each other. And it's like, no, like next year we've already announced Wembley. And mm-hmm. then we're going to have Chicago, which personally, I'm like, great. I have a whole year to like ramp up for this, <laughs> like yeah. mentally, physically, emotionally, because it's a lot to do like those two big shows in such a short amount of time. And I do like I think we did talk about this a little bit in one of our uh, many podcasts we've done recently with Tony that I really love the traditions that he's creating and that. Labor Day weekend, we are in Chicago. I mean, we'll be in Chicago again during Thanksgiving because that's like where we're at, right? And knowing that like we have Wembley during the bank holiday, knowing that we have all of these things kind of happening wherever. One, I love it because it sort of allows like everyone to plan around it. Like people can plan their vacations knowing that there is wrestling. And I I know they do this because I used to do this as a fan. Like, yes. oh, cool. <laughs> I'm visiting family. I'm going to go to this one show that's happening in Brooklyn at this specific time. Like, <laughs> we like to plan around it. But I think it's also just like, it's a great thing because tradition is such a valuable thing, regardless if it's wrestling or not. So, having traditions that you can hold on to is just such a fun thing as a person, as a human, as an individual. And then you just throw in as a wrestling fan on top of that. So, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, again, AEW in the way that we have created the traditions like and I, I love that we're expanding the pay-per-view calendar you know we just had at Wrestle Dream and really I don't think we've had a month without a pay-per-view when talking AEW slash Ring of Honor since Double or Nothing right like it's literally right. been every month we've we've had a show and I love that you know the, the shows like Forbidden Door shows like uh, Revolution and Full Gear you know those can kind of shift but you know we have our staples you know where we're going to have double or nothing you know where the we're going to have all out and you know where we're going to have all in and you know being at Wembley I, I have to talk about it because it was like nothing I'd ever experienced before walking the streets and you know, so i got into town saturday the saturday beforehand i think right because you went home in between duluth and wembley yes for a day but mm-hmm. it was one of those like i had to get just one night in my own bed that was me in between london and chicago it was like right. oh i gotta go home and so walk so i got there day or that saturday and walking the streets was really the first time it all really hit me because it was just wall to wall and this was on saturday this wasn't even sunday yet sunday was even crazier but just walking the streets and seeing nothing but aew fans everywhere you looked there were t-shirts we had the merch stands on multiple corners you even had the bootleggers standing outside with like the sh- <laughs> the shirts that like have dynamite misspelled um but like you had <laughs> you they were like everywhere you looked there was just aew merch there was aew fans and walking up and down the street, I almost forgot how it's weird because the BTE bit for me is like still so new. So when somebody looks at me and goes, who the hell is this guy? And I'm like, what are you being an asshole to me for? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the BTE bit. Oh, yeah, and that's then, your <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, right? And but yeah, it's just walking down the street and it, walking with you and everybody's like, oh, my God, it's Aubrey Edwards. And so it, it was such a cool thing. And that was really where it hit me of how big of an event this actually became to the point of where and people know this about me uh or if you don't know this about me i'm gonna peel this back but 
I really, really love small talk with randos. It's just oh, a yeah, thing do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a thing, right? And I love asking people about themselves, especially wrestling fans. I love kind of getting feedback on who exactly is at our shows. And sometimes I'll just stop random people and ask them about themselves. And one of the things that I got out of the travel here was how big of a deal it was for AEW to finally hit Europe. Because I met people from Germany. I met people from France. I met people from... Uh, the Netherlands. And it was one of those things where it hadn't really occurred to me because when we go into different towns, when we travel to the U.S., it's always, you know, oh, you know, we travel to Chicago or we're traveling to Milwaukee or wherever, and it's usually the locals. But in this case, there were so many people who were just starred for AEW in that side of the world that it was it wasn't just people from London. It was people from all over the region who had all converged to be a part of this show. And... That was really cool. That was where it was kind of hitting me of how big of a deal this actually was to so many different people. I think same for me too, especially because there were so many people that had traveled in from the States where this isn't their first AEW show. Yeah. Because of the excitement around the fact that this is the first time we're doing something, we're breaking this record. Like we had already sort of like made history with how many we had sold in like the pre-sale and even like leading up to that without even announcing a single match on the card. And that, to me, made me feel really great just because it shows how passionate our fan base is. Like, we all know, because we see it constantly. We're in the arenas every week. Like, people who are into AEW are really into AEW. And for me, it was one of those things that just made me feel really good and made the whole event feel a little bit more special, that it's like, I saw friends that I've seen at other shows in the U.S. multiple times. I was like, oh my God, hi, it's so good to see you again. Like, we both flew multiple hours to get here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of that. There were a lot of people that I've, I've known for a while. But then there were those people who, from the UK, have traveled for AEW shows over to the US. And it was that seeing that look on their face of like, ha, you're in my town now. You're in my space. How and do you feel? I, <laughs> yeah, I, I loved all of that. I, I literally loved every single bit of it. What was the feeling like for you, though, when you first walked into Wembley? Okay, so I showed up Friday morning because I flew directly from Atlanta. So I'm exhausted, having slept on a plane poorly. And I think the first time it was like, whoa, was walking past the stadium and seeing our logo on the light boards on the outside. And then as the weekend progressed, there's more and more advertising so it's like here's all my coworkers faces here's people i've worked with on the indies that are on the side of the building on wimbley like wild and then the day of i posted on twitter that morning like how many times am i going to cry today <laughs> what's the over under let's make a bet because <laughs> uh-huh. i think by 10 a.m i had already cried like twice like i woke up that day and there's like awesome text messages like everyone's supportive of everything that's happening everyone knows kind of how big of a deal this is but it, like walking in and seeing the set, I was just like just bawling my eyes out, just like insane. And then of course, like there, <laughs> there's Dan, one of our video guys who ends up like recording the podcast when we do the previews with Tony. He sees me and he's like, "Okay," and he puts a camera on my face. I'm like, "No, no, no!" <laughs> but of course, it's like as a video guy, you want to capture that emotion, right? Like he's basically doing that with everyone because everyone is having a similar physical response to, oh my God, this is happening. Like I can't even see all of the seats at the top because they go so high and seeing this, like one of those, like 
big stages. Like, you, you know what I'm talking about. Like, when you have the wrestling ring, but then they also have to build the roof over it in case it rains and to hide our lighting rig and all of these things with all the screens on the outside. I'm like, oh, we're the big boys now. This is great. Yeah. No, uh, honestly, so I got in. Uh, I got to see it the day before. I, I On Saturday, I went in for rehearsals. Everybody had to rehearse their entrances, I guess. I mean, I feel like that's an expected thing. You have to know that we, we have to go through entrances one time before. The ramp is different. People had some different music. Like, there's, there's different match formats we're trying to figure out. It, like, when you have a group coming in, like, who's coming in with who type of a thing. Like, yeah. Yeah, and so I, I was there the day before. And so that was the day I saw the, the set. And, uh, and we all had to have our hivies on. And that was the moment I re- realized, first off, I have to take more pictures. Because being in AEW and having been here the last four months, one of the things I keep forgetting to do is it, like, it's just a work day. I, I get through my day and I look up and I go, oh man, I should have like taken a picture of that thing in Nashville or I should have taken a picture of that thing in uh, Washington DC or something. I have nothing to capture the memory of the fact that I was in the city. And so as soon as I saw the stage, I went pictures. I have to get pictures. I have to document this because this is a moment in time. This is a moment in history. And once I started seeing the entrances being rehearsed and seeing everybody go through, and uh, that was the first time I met DJ Who Kid, and that was really cool. I walked in, and they're swerve, and they're all ready to prepare for their entrance. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize this was happening. This is a very, very cool thing. And again, that was the moment it hit me. I looked up, and uh, I, I was talking with Chris, uh, Chris Jericho because he... He, he had a pretty big entrance. Fo- he had to rehearse, yeah. He had a very big entrance. <laughs> and, and of course, seeing the Fozzie setup, seeing that above the stage, like all of that was really, really cool. And that was when it hit me that we are really doing something big. We are doing something special. We are doing something different. That this show has just genuinely a lot more pomp and circumstance than we've ever done in AEW. And... Yeah, I, I was I was ready for it. I was ready in that moment. I'm like, I can't wait for people to see this. I, I literally took a picture. Uh, I so we had the the entrance ramp, right? And right. we had the 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 video wall, With the big uh, but towers specifically, and stuff. Yeah, but specifically, the entire tunnel was LEDs. And so, like, as I'm walking through it, I almost felt like you you remember the the performance? I think it was the MTV Awards that the weekend did, where he's like running through the walls and like all of it is video. I, I felt like the weekend in that moment, just walking through it. <laughs> it was so cool. It was so great. And I I genuinely couldn't wait. I sent a picture to my wife and I'm like, this is going to be something special. And just kind of commenting on the Jericho entrance, like I've I've heard that song performed a number of times, like when being on the Jericho cruise, like the Fozzie crew is all there. They play shows every night. So being able to go to guys like Rich Ward, who I've seen perform in front of people. And I'm just like, how wild is this for you? And even then they were like, dude, this is the craziest thing ever. So it wasn't just us, like the, the people that were there. It's all of the guests that were there. Like the, like you're saying, like Swerve's whole crew, the Fozzie crew, the production team, like it just felt like, bigger which is kind of an understatement and obviously it felt bigger right it was a huge show but it was just so cool (laughs) like i'm i'm still kind of like strapped for words even though it's been a good two weeks no honestly uh i was learning the how was the the coolest part of all of it because you know obviously i've been a part of of dynamites and and watching the production and all that and knowing how that goes but i wasn't really 
aware of how a lot of things worked on a, a big scale like that like those aerial shots and things like that you know i remember asking mike mansuri like how are those done and then he points up and he's like there's literally a helicopter that's just yep. like circling the, the show the whole time and i thought really he's got to be up there for four hours that's great like that was really cool to think about and again these are things that i've watched for years uh for things like the super bowl uh wrestlemania uh, things along those lines but to see it done and actually get to be a part of it was very cool very very cool there's so much more to talk about we have a whole other pay-per-view to talk about still we do <laughs> we've had so much to talk about on aew unrestricted stay tuned coming up will and aubrey angie has made it easier than ever to hire high quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. AEW Unrestricted Will and Aubrey talking about a crazy eight days in AEW history of All In leading directly into All Out and just how it's been historic and emotional and just a, a whirlwind. Uh, it, it was a great summary of everything that like AEW has been up until this point, how we got to that point. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about the actual like show that we did. <laughs> We've talked a lot about like getting to Wembley, getting there, feeling the vibe of it. But there was so much cool stuff that happened during the show. It was absolutely insane. Uh, one of my favorite moments, uh, I had friends attend the show and they had never seen wrestling before. They had never seen uh, me do my thing before. Like, like college roommates, right? So they're like, where are our seats? I'm like, um, I don't know, even though I knew we were putting all of the comps in the Royal Box. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. they sent me a picture of me chasing Eddie Kingston around near where the queen sits. And <laughs> like, it's absolutely wild. And Tony talks about it a lot because like he's had a lot of uh, memorable moments there with Fulham and whatnot. So being there and seeing all of these crazy things happen in a wrestling context, I think also in that picture was a uh, Ted Irvin, who's Jericho's dad, uh, yeah, Jericho's dad yeah. <laughs> who he came up to me later. He's like, you didn't say hi. I'm like, I was a little busy, Ted. I am sorry. Like <laughs> I was yelling at grown men, <laughs> bleeding everyone. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, uh, I mean, just again, being a part of a stadium stampede. Like I, I've, I've been at the show for Anarchy in the Arena and things along those lines, but like this was Stadium Stampede. This went everywhere, and uh, I, I mentioned this during the the show we did uh, with Tony at Starcast. But I almost slipped into a shot because literally I didn't realize where this match was heading, and uh, all of a sudden, to be fair, not <laughs> a lot of us did. <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, I just see brawling like happening. Two feet away from me, and I'm like, okay, step, stay out of the shot, stay out of the shot, do not get in the shot. 
And uh, that's how much that match just spilled over into everywhere. And uh, it was amazing to watch it play out in real time and, and, and see Stadium Stampede actually happen. That's very cool. I think the craziest thing for me was being involved with the last two Stadium Stampedes and how uh, the first one, I think, took about like 12 hours to film. And the second one took multiple days because we didn't get everything done before the sun came up. And this one took 20 minutes. So because yeah, it was live. This was it. This it was is all live. you had. So taking all of that emotion that we had felt during the previous ones and like cramming it into this small amount of time made it feel completely different for me as, as someone who was involved with it than a completely different pay-per-view. And I'm just in the back like, I have no idea what's going on in the ring. Someone please tell me. Okay, cool. And now, oh my God, we're in an elevator. Where are we going? Is is my like IFB even working? <laughs> how <laughs> how much range do I have on my audio equipment? Like I'm just starting to think about all these things. Oh my God, I'm have to, I'm going through my third pair of gloves on the show because there is so much bleeding happening. Uh, and then also the talking about entrances and performances. Uh, I mentioned before that Swerve he had um, DJ Who Kid with him, but he also had uh, Flash Garments who performs the hook on his theme song. And I've known Flash a while now. I remember when they first recorded the original version of the song back before Swerve debuted. And he had said to me, one day I'm going to perform this. And I, I swear to you, this was a thing he actually said. And I remember there were multiple instances where he was trying to get that done because he's been backstage at Double or Nothing and he's been backstage at Revolution, various pay-per-views where Swerve's performed. And he's like, one day it's going to happen. I just know it. And for it to finally happen at Wembley and he got to perform the theme, he got to do the entire thing. I was really happy for him seeing that moment. And then when Swerve grabbed the mic from him and I remember during rehearsals, you know, you always have that feeling of you think you know what wrestling fans are going to do, but you always have that doubt in your heart, right? And like during rehearsals, he does the Swerve's house or Who's house, but there's no response, right? Because mm-hmm. there's nobody there's in nobody the building. There. And like you can hope that 80,000 people are going to do it, but you don't know until you feel 80,000 people do it. And when he got up there and I was I went out for that entrance to watch it happen. And when he did Who's house and the crowd, everybody does Swerve's house. Like, I got goosebumps in that moment. I was so excited for him. I was so excited for everybody there. It was very cool. I think my, uh, I had two favorite entrances. Obviously, like, Jericho's entrance was cool. And feeling everybody hit that chorus as he's with a microphone, like, walking down the entrance ramp was just, like, a cool, like, growth of how this song has come to be such a huge part of AEW. I remember walking around backstage. I was like following up with something, whatever, just doing stuff. And then hearing Metallica play, literally stopping yes. what I'm doing and walking somewhere where I could see what's going on. Because it's obvious, like we use a lot of licensed music now, but I think like we choose when we use it and it's always really good. And I'm like, who the hell is coming out right now? Oh, it's Sting. This is the coolest thing. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> we I got so Seek glad. and Destroy. <laughs> what is going on? I was so glad that we actually got the real Seek and Destroy because like those who followed Sting's career might know that he came out to a knockoff of Seek and Destroy back in the day. So I have no idea. Obviously, like I'm uh-huh. I'm still a very new wrestling fan comparatively yeah. to a lot of people. So I just thought it was freaking cool that like it was Metallica. Like I've seen them live front row in the snake pit and 
easily the coolest concert I've ever been to. So to hear that happening, but also seeing Sting come out, like, this is so cool. To me, it it was the first moment that it felt authentic. Because again, like I said, he used to come out to the, the old knockoff version of it. And it was like, okay, this is cool. Um, but it's like, not the real deal, but it's enough to where you know what it is. Because that was the thing WCW did, where like, they, they would go... <laughs> when WCW did a knockoff theme, they'd get so dangerously close to the real deal that literally they're all like edited off of like current streaming versions of it because of the fact that they were too close. It was and like Sting's... a vanilla ice and queen scenario. Oh yeah. They they were very, very close. And like Sting's Seek and Destroy was very, very, very close. And so for him to be coming out to the real deal, to the real song, the real it felt like his career, like so much of his career, like kind of tied together in hearing the actual song in the entrance. And I, again, I was out there for the whole thing, just goosebumps. And that's, we're just talking about entrances, right? We also had House of Black had a very cool Spooky. entrance. They did a tribute to Bray mm-hmm. with the, the lantern. I thought that was a really cool. It was a nice touch. Yeah, it was a very, very nice touch. And also, you were out there for that because you were out there back to back. I was. Yeah. So normally, uh, when when Paul assigns matches for pay-per-views, we intentionally try for the ref team to not do back-to-back matches. And I had made it very clear to him, like, look, there are two people I want to work with most during this pay-per-view. I want to work with Chris Jericho, obviously, but I also want to work with Billy Gunn. And I I sat down with him in catering at one point. I was like, hey, can I get emotional? He's like, sure, whatever, because he's big, tough Billy Gunn. And I said, so before I got to AEW, I didn't really fully know how to do a tag match. Like, obviously, you know the structure of it, but it, it takes a while for it to click because there's so much more complicated than doing something like a singles match. There's so many moving parts. You have so many people. So it takes a while. And I told Billy in catering that day, and I'm trying not to swear, but this is just a verbatim quote. It was because of your bullshit in Jacksonville <laughs> that I fully understood how to do a tag match and fully felt comfortable. Because if you go back and watch those matches when he was still tagging with Austin and Colton, he's just up and down the apron the whole time. Just being a jerk, like having fun, doing his thing. But honestly, that was the thing that gave me the reps that made me just feel comfortable. So being the Aubrey Edwards character and understanding kind of how my role as a referee works, I'd say Chris Jericho and Billy Gunn have had the biggest impact of the people at AEW into who I am today. So selfishly, I told Paul, I want to do these two matches. They ended up having to be (laughs) back-to-back. Kind of unfortunate. I was gassed by the end of it. But being able to like kind of roll out hard cam side and sit there and watch the world's biggest scissor party up to that point pretty damn cool no that that was very cool and i thought that was a really really cool moment and and then of course you know seeing adam cole get that main event with mjf all of that just felt really special the the callback to the first time limit draw and adam cole asking for five more minutes and mjf did the right thing this time and gave him the five minutes that like i love it when storytelling pays off and everybody in the arena knew what was coming it it was so great it was such a moment it was such a night and to think that one week later we had to do it all again <laughs> and the thing is like people weren't sure how we were going to do it right because but the beauty of it and tony talked about this was that we had already left so much on the table that it was almost easy to walk into all out and go okay so there are all these people saying well we wanted to see at all in john moxley versus orange cassidy 
Well, guess what? You got it at All Out. Uh, they wanted to see Kenny Omega versus Kanosuke Takeshita. You guess got what? it <laughs> at All Out. <laughs> like, it was one of those things where we gave you so much at All In, but at the same time, we left just enough off the table to make All Out seem worth it. And I think coming going into that show, I even had my my feelings of doubt in me. But by the end of it, I went, honestly, that was my favorite All Out. And I... I this is unrestricted. This isn't a place where I'm going to bullshit you or tell you anything I like truly don't believe. But like genuinely, I thought, and I've been at every all out uh, other than uh, Jacksonville. But having been at every all out and knowing that 2021 is so revered because of the the ending and uh, the people just involved, place in, all that. Yeah, the people in time. Uh, yeah, the place in time and all of that. I still think this was my favorite top to bottom all out show. I would 100% agree with that. And I also kind of had that doubt going into the week because Mm -hmm. we had just come off this amazing show, like all in being historic, but it was also one of the best shows we've ever done. So as a wrestling fan, you're like, how are we going to possibly top that? Like we had 81,035 people. Now we're at the United Center, which honestly, fantastic venue, but we only have about 10,000. Like, how is this going to go? How is this going to feel as spectacular? But seeing what we've done over the last five years and how we always deliver at pay-per-views, it's sort of, as soon as I reminded myself of that, I'm like, no, we're good. Like, whatever it is we end up doing, we're good. And I think just given all of the things that had happened with the roster that week, all of the emotions that we were sort of going through, I think all of us were just so proud of how All Out went. Like, we had a little bit to prove just because there were so many people involved with All Out that weren't at Wembley. And I know they wanted to make this a great show. I know that, like, for me personally, being able to do Brian's match, and I've been a fan of him forever, and what he means to this locker room, what he means to me personally, uh, what he and Ricky were able to accomplish in that match, I literally walked out and said, I think that was cooler than Wembley. Like, there were so m- I, th- I told you that. I went immediately to catering <laughs> to grab a piece of vegan cheesecake to celebrate. <laughs> and I said, I think that was cooler than Wembley which is hard to kind of comprehend when you look at the sheer numbers and what it means to wrestling. But there was just so much that I think All Out was trying to do, keeping in mind everything that All In was. And I honestly believe we achieved that. It was easily, I think, one of the best shows we've done this year and one of the best shows we've done in AEW history. And there's there's a lot more to talk about it. All Out on AEW Unrestricted. AEW Unrestricted, Will Washington, Aubrey Edwards. Aubrey, so we're talking about your experience with All Out a little bit, you know, talking about getting to ref that incredible Brian Danielson and Ricky Starks match. So at the beginning of the night, one of the things I I, I wanted to point out here is that All Out holds a very special place in AEW history because this was the very first AEW pay-per-view ever Without a Chris Jericho match. Yep. This was the first time we've been on pay-per-view <laughs> where Judas wasn't played. It yep. almost didn't feel right hear, not hearing that song at any point during the show. You came up to me and said, isn't this weird? I'm like, oh, it's weird because I came in today and didn't know what I was doing. Right, because like the one guarantee that an AEW pay-per-view has is that 
It's got a Chris Jericho match. And if it's got a Chris Jericho match, it's going to be refed by Aubrey Edwards. Most likely. 99% of the time. And I can actually say that percentage because Chris Jericho has wrestled, and I just told him this, his... He's about to wrestle his 97th AEW match. So literally, and I think there's only been one without you. Uh, there's been like two or three. It's funny because it's 97th oh, yeah, because, one. I won't be there. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> Taking a week off of Dynamite. It's been a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. He's very close to his 100th AEW match and you've refed 90 something of them. And so thinking about how that's the one guarantee. You get a Chris Jericho match. Aubrey Edwards is going to ref it. And yet you walk in and you don't have literally no Chris idea Jericho what I'm match. doing it's, that day. Literally the thing that you always know you're going to have and you didn't have it. Nope. How did that feel walking in? I mean, it was crazy. Like it's, there's always some semblance of not knowing what you're going to do on show day as a referee. I don't think a lot of people know this, but I, I get asked sometimes and it's like, oh, what are you doing tomorrow? Like if I see people on a Tuesday, I'm like, I hell if I know, I'll find out when I get there. Um, and part of it is alluding to what I talked about before. Like we try to make sure that referees aren't doing things that are back to back or trying to wait until we have sort of all the information of the card and where things are falling in the show. Um, on a dynamite day when we we're also taping Rampage, like we're trying to just give everyone a little bit of breathing time in between all of the matches they're doing. Yeah, and, and it just to peel the curtain back a little bit, the, the match order is a, is a flowing process, of course, Correct. because one of the things we, we want to be cognizant of is that we want to make sure that things aren't too similar back to back, that if we're doing something in one match, that if something similar is happening in another match, we don't want it to be side by side and if that's the case like i said the match order can be a flowing process we don't truly know it until we're really finalizing the show right and there's a lot of moments of are we doing any cool storyline moments like i ended up doing the pre-show match with jeff jarrett's crew and the acclaimed and that was originally not planned when the day started i'm not going to go into the full story of how that happened but i remember being in makeup like my head tilted back getting braided and posey comes in and goes Hey, uh, I think they need you for this match. I'm like, what? <laughs> this doesn't make any yeah. sense. I beat all their asses. I'm like, why am I doing that? But, but yeah, fast forward, it's I ended up doing that one too. But yeah, it's just, it's one of those, we're kind of waiting for the full order to see where it's at. And once we saw it, I ended up getting the big meaty men slapping meat, uh, which <laughs> the, the fact that me, Hobbs and Miro, none of us broke during that. I am very proud of that. Because, uh, you should be. Oh my so God. great. So great. Such a great match. Like when you have like a big Haas fight like that, like you know it's going to be good. But the Chicago crowd was just there for it the whole time. And I yeah. love their commitment to things like that. <laughs> I mean, literally now I've been tagged multiple times on Twitter of people asking for an AW meat division. Like they want meat the meat division. championship. They want the meat division. They're like, look, you guys have it. You got Hobbs. You've got Miro. You've got Brian Cage. You've got Lance Archer. There's so much you can do with the AEW meat division. And I... as, as a vegan, I'm fully on board <laughs> with this. Uh, but yeah, it, it, there was, again, just so much that took place. And again, it was... Such a different show. And I, I mentioned the Chris Jericho thing because, honestly, guy could use a break. Like, there's only now... Matt and Nick Jackson are officially the only two left who have never missed an AEW pay-per-view. They're the only two who have been on every single AEW pay-per-view. But even John Moxley's missed shows. Hangman Adam Page. Like, literally, when you think of even AEW staples, uh, everybody has had at least one show off. And uh, Jericho's streak is now broken. But, you know, he's Chris Jericho. He's... He's going to keep doing this till the wheels fall off. But yeah, talking more about the show itself. The main event. I really wanted to talk about this, this yes. main event because Orange Cassidy had been on such a run. Historic with, run. Yeah, historic run. 
32 title defenses. Well, this was the 32nd. Yeah, he had 31 title defenses uh, successfully. And, you know, I, I love that video package that we had put on because uh, in in showing that and showing where Orange had come from and we showed his first ever match, a match that has 40 million views on YouTube, by the way. That is a match that people continually continually go back to. Him and because... Packet, the very first revolution, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Him and Packet, the very first revolution. That's a match that people continually go back to because it was one of those things where nobody knew what like if you knew orange cassidy you knew but there was so much doubt there was so much like okay what does this guy actually have to offer in the ring like yeah the the shtick is funny but what's he actually gonna do and then he actually did it and that was the moment where people went oh oh it's like that okay that's interesting and then he has shown so much fire through this title reign that i believe without a doubt and this is why this match couldn't have been on all in truly to me when you think about everything that he's done in this reign and you think about how, what he's gone through, the fact that he is at a point of survival, the fact that he has had 31 successful defenses and they've all been high profile defenses, this one had to be the main event. And I love that it got its own spot. It didn't end up taking a backseat to anything at all in it, it got its own spotlight at all out against john moxley one of the most decorated champions in aew history the first person by the way the is this true let me make sure this is a true statement yes uh he is the first aew star to win two singles golds uh, as far as two AEW singles gold, there's people who've run Ring of Honor titles, but as far as AEW singles gold, he's the only person to win a second one and having been a former world champion. But these two killed each other out there. And uh, and I thought this was just a phenomenal main event. I thought it was, uh, we talk about Orange Cassidy, the story of his reign being survival. And he finally reached the point of the man he just couldn't survive. And that was John Moxley. But I thought the the pomp and circumstance, I thought the the entrances, just everything about it. Um, when that graphic hit, I always love Orange Cassidy's, uh, his Tron. Do you know he draws those, right? Yeah. Oh, I've watched them. <laughs> I've literally He's been on watched. an airplane, draws it on a napkin, and then sends it to production and go, here you go. <laughs> yeah. And when it said, I'm so tired on the Tron <laughs> up there. <laughs> We are all thought, Orange Cassidy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yep, yeah, we are all Orange Cassidy. It's been a long, long week. And no, those are always so great. Like, I've literally sat next to him drawing those. I, I just I just love his little, like, the one pyro. And then, like, the second one that's delayed. Yes. So, so that's the thing I love about Orange Cassidy, just to steal it from you for a minute, is he's the kind of character that when you see him on the indies before AEW started... You're like, this guy's not going to make it at a big company. He's just too different. He's too unique. He has a ceiling. And I think what he has meant for wrestling, that you can take something that is this unique character that exists on the indies and put it in the main event of a pay-per-view. Like, there's an ongoing joke backstage that our whole roster is create a pro in Chikara. And (laughs) (laughs) one of the things I absolutely loved was that final bit of you see Statlander, Trent, Chuck, all in the ring with Orange. And knowing what those guys have have meant to each other for as long as they've been together, like even before AEW started, and knowing like Bryce got to do that main event. 
And Bryce ends up doing a lot of Orange Cassidy matches because those two guys go way back. They're both Chikara boys. So watching an AEW main event and going, this is Chikara. Like, it's it's crazy to think that that is the impact that this small little indie promotion has had on this big company. And to see people get their success and see everyone give their flowers. Because I'm I'm on Twitter during the, the match while it's happening and just seeing so many people happy that this is a spot that Orange Cassidy is in. Because it's one thing to say like, okay, well, he's had 31 title defenses. This is crazy. But to know that what he means to AEW is so much that we are putting him in the main event because this to everyone is just the obvious spot. Like, yeah, no, this guy's earned this. This guy needs to be there. And it's so great. It's it's one of the things of wrestling. Like the same thing kind of happened with Brian and Ricky. Like Ricky lost, Orange Cassidy lost. But those losses mean so much because of what they've done for these people and building them up. Oh, yeah. Ricky, as he was making his way up the ramp and the fans were chanting for him. Yes. After that loss. As he's like getting welts on his body from these freaking straps. <laughs> but it's it's to see these homegrown stars, to see these people that have put in the work for years be able to get these moments and these moments on such a big stage. I was just, I could not be more proud of everyone. Same. Uh, I think that there was such a feeling backstage of accomplishment when that show was over. And and the thing is like, we, we got so much done on that show. I think about, again, Brian got to come out to final countdown again. And it's amazing watching it get the crowd again, because you know, at, at Toronto at Forbidden Door, you know, Final Countdown is one of those songs that I've heard a million times, so I know what it is. We all have. The second, the, well, the second you hear that first build up, the <laughs> the wind up, yeah. But when you first hit, but when you first hear the wind up before the melody even kicks in, like mm. I know what I'm hearing. But most people don't know it until the actual main melody kicks in, and it's amazing that we got people a second time because the first time at Toronto uh, at Forbidden Door, people hear the wind up. And they're like, what is this? What is going on? And then the melody kicks in. And when it hits the do-do-do-do, all of a sudden, everybody perks up. And you hear this big pop when they realize what happened. I didn't think that would happen a second time. <laughs> I was like, okay, people will know the second time what we're doing. But literally, they hear the wind-up. They hear the wind-up. And it's just almost silence. And then <laughs> the melody kicks in, big pop. And I just thought, that's so great. It's so great that we got people a second time with that. But uh, I love... When Brian gets that entrance, because to me, that is a thing of urban legend. Brian talked about the fact that when he wrestled on the indies, you know, the Ring of Honor at that time wasn't a promotion people knew a whole lot about. And so he always and a lot of guys with their indie stuff. And I think uh, I can understand why don't realize that. Just because it was only seen by maybe a few hundred people at that time doesn't mean that it didn't grow to urban legend as time went on. And so, you know, Brian always talks about how, you know, I didn't think people even remembered Final Countdown stuff like that because at the time it wasn't watched by that many people. But it grew to urban legend. It grew oh, yeah. to a thing of, oh, and did you know? Exists. When- I've seen I've seen videos of Brian coming out to that song and just like, oh, yeah. this is great. Well, he'll never do that. That song's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the cool thing about I feel like that is almost a thing that every person's indie run should become at some point. That if you do eventually make it to a big stage that at some point, yeah, your indie work does almost become urban legend in mm-hmm. a way where, oh, yeah, the, you know he could do this uh, or you know what he can do. But did you know on the indies he did this? And then eventually when it breaks out, then everybody pops because it's this thing that everybody heard about. 
And I love that Brian's entrance is that. Mm-hmm. And that final countdown is a special thing that only existed at a small, short period of time. But it's this urban legend thing that now when you hear it and you see it on TV, it's great. And it always blows minds. I love that. And also, we had an appearance by C.J. Perry. Yes. Yeah. Hot she, and flexible. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm yes, dying. Her dress said hot that. and flexible. That I didn't know was coming. New C.J. Perry was coming. Same. Didn't know about that. Same. The Tron, I almost lost it at. I did. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, how was that being out there? It's crazy because, like, it, it's one of those, we have these moments where I, I know she's, she's coming in for the post-match I'm giving, you know, Miro the Iggy as far as like, okay, here's what's happening, blah, 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 blah. I roll out hard cam side, so I'm there to give time cues, whatever. And then I just, because you don't know what someone's music is going to be when they show up, even if you do know they're showing up. So I'm kind of waiting and watching, and then I just see hot and flexible, and I am dying. (laughs) And especially there's like five five five-year-olds behind me, and I'm just like, this is so bad. Oh God! And like, but the best part is that's how we've described her on TV for the yes! last two years, yes! uh, three years, three years on TV. Literally, Biro has talked about his hot, flexible wife, and there's the payoff to her actually showing up and it's saying hot and flexible on her Tron. There's some good investment there. I I just like that we're, we're just still sticking with it. Like, look, we this is something that we touched on for years, and now this is the thing. I also just love that she just came out took the heels off and then ran down the ramp. I'm like, so smart. What a smart girl. I'm so happy (laughs) she's around. (laughs) Yeah, no, honestly, I've been talking to her the day before and I I think it's not to say people would be amazed, but she is is so smart about pro wrestling and I I have to give her all the credit in the Mm -hmm. world. Uh, CJ Perry just has such a mind for this stuff that I don't think people would honestly, just based on the character she's played on screen, recognize how much thought there is put into what she does and what she's done over the years. And so I'm excited to have her on board. I'm excited to have her in AEW. I think that's a really, really cool thing. And then uh, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot we didn't get to. I do want to give a mention to Kenny Omega and Kanosuke Takeshita because... Dude. (sighs) Those two, uh, we knew, like we've seen them have matches before. They hadn't had a match in AEW yet, a singles match. And like we, we knew what they were capable of, but I didn't know they were going to go for what they went for. And they basically swung for the fences and I think knocked it out of the park. And there was just little moments like, you know, that Kenny is a mentor to Takeshita. Kenny's wearing gear that likens back to, you know, his, his run back in Japan. The DDT. Yeah, it's, which is where... Uh, Tagesha came from so it's like there's all these little moments of like why this is important independent of these two incredible stars having a match together and that was the one where as soon as I saw that this okay show stealer here we go (laughs) yeah that was also one of those things where uh, before the match talking about entrances uh, I had spent pretty much the whole weekend um, thinking about how, and it's amazing how great minds all think alike, how everybody kind of converged with the same idea. Because I was I was thinking about the fact that it's been about a year. As a matter of fact, the last All Out was the last time that Justin Roberts has done the Michael Jordan-style entrance for... North Carolina. Uh, yeah, that he's done it for Kenny Omega. It hadn't been done in a year. And I thought, oh, crap. We're, this is the first time like Kenny's did the house that Jordan built. Like We can't forget to do this this time. And like... All as soon as I walk in and I go to talk to Justin Roberts, he's like, "Yep, that's what we're doing." I'm like, "Oh, thank goodness!" Uh, like this is the one time we can't forget this. And, like Rodman's and, on the show, guys. We got to make a reference to Jordan. 
Yeah, and, and, and Kenny knew, and like everybody knew. This was the first time, by the way, I just tweeted this uh, back on Monday, or yeah, Tuesday, that this was the first time that Kenny's used his full entrance theme since he lost the title at Full Gear 2021. So like, he got to have a really special entrance here. But he also lost. He lost clean, clean as a sheet. Mm. Uh, and I thought the, just brilliant storytelling there. Because there were so many moments where it almost wasn't clean, right? Like he was... There was a screwdriver. Yeah, Don went for the screwdriver, but he missed. And then uh, Takeshita grabbed the screwdriver himself when he was in the one-winged angel position. And he went for it, but he missed. But then none of that mattered because he beat him. And that is just genius stuff there. I had so much fun with that match. Those guys are absolutely brilliant in the ring. And uh, brilliant thinkers about putting matches like that together. That was a blast. This this whole last eight days or whatever it was, eight, seven, it's all a blur at this point. I don't even know what city I'm in at this point. I'm sitting in my living room. It's <laughs> I it, it it's everything that happened is is so great. Both of these shows had incredible matches. We could literally fill like five episodes of this podcast just talking about all the cool stuff that happened. Both as viewers of the show, but also as people who are experiencing everything. And I'm so happy that we work at a place where we get to experience these cool moments and that we get to share them with other people. And before we wrap, I just want to tell one more story. Back to All In. All of us, the, the four refs that were there were all the guys that were at the original Double or Nothing. Like we we were day one to 81,000, I think was my like little Instagram caption. And typically when you see one ref pass another ref on the ramp, like we'll high five each other, just kind of like a, yeah, yeah, man, you got it. Or yeah, man, you did great. And Bryce is coming back after his match on uh, zero hour and I'm crossing and he puts up his hand and I just go, no, <laughs> reach my arms out. And we just hug so tight on the ramp. And to me, that is the moment that basically summarizes this is what this felt like. All of us are in this together. All of us are doing amazing things. Whether it was all in or all out, we're creating these amazing moments that I don't think any of us will ever forget. And I'm so happy to be a part of AEW. Yeah. Same. No, that, that was a cool story. I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, oh man. No, we, we had a really, really great emotional week. Yes. And I think that uh, for its ups and downs to just look back at it and go, AEW, we all did that. We pulled, we pulled that off. We went all in and out. <laughs> we did, and and now we're at a a special reset point now. Where yeah, we're like three weeks away from Wrestle Dream. So hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, that's also cool. And and uh, by the time this airs, I think people will know some of the stuff, or at least have a hint at some of the stuff that's happening. But uh, either way. This is really cool. This has been really great. This has been AEW Unrestricted. You can follow this podcast, AEW Unrestricted, at Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and review and check out video episodes on our YouTube channel at AEW Unrestricted. AEW Dynamite is on TBS at 8 p.m. Wednesday nights. AEW Rampage is on TNT at 10 p.m. every Friday night. AEW Collision is live every Saturday night at 8 on TNT. Ring of Honor streams every Thursday on Honor Club. But... That's it. I'm Will Washington. I'm Aubrey Edwards. Look at you and you're closing out this show. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you <laughs> You've so all much. been listening to AEW Unrestricted. Come on, throw your hands up. Let me see you. Unrestricted. Got the house now. We gonna turn it up, up. Bring the house down.
up and make a 